So we all assume Bryce Young will be ready to rock against the Tennessee Volunteers this weekend. But what if he's not? Locked on Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, Tennessee week is always one of the most funnest weeks of the year. It's so traditional. The weather is great. And uh, boy, it's a big one. SEC Nation is going to be there too. SEC Nation and College Game Day uh, covering this event together. Wowza. It's a little weird because there was a rumor that game day wasn't going to show up to Knoxville, which is so dumb. I mean, they wouldn't announce they're going one place and then go on a, then go another place. That's so crazy. And then there was a horrible rumor last night that Lee Corso had died. I mean, Jesus, people. I'm glad I wasn't around for that rumor. That would have been upset. That that that's going to be a rough day when that's inevitable. That's going to happen. But uh, that's going to be a rough day for me. Uh, he, he's to me, he's so much of what makes college football great is the tradition and Lee Corso is a living tradition. He certainly is. want to thank everybody for making us your first podcast when it comes to Alabama podcast or any podcast uh, to listen to. Thank you guys so much. Um, Jimmy got a question in from Cameron Bishop, a loyal listener to the program, great American. Um, and he said, and this sort of goes along with what I was talking about at the very beginning. You know, we all assume Bryce Young is going to be ready this weekend. And it certainly makes sense. I mean, he apparently campaigned to come into the game uh, this past weekend when things were getting very hairy. So it stands to reason that he would be ready to rock this weekend. But what if he's not? And so Cameron Bishop asked, how close do you think Nick Saban was to putting Ty Simpson in this past weekend? I'm going to say not very close at all, but – you may have some info I don't have. No, I, I, I don't have inside scoop there, but I, I, I mean, I, I would be stunned if that was ever a consideration just based on a lack of reps. I mean, what happens is you put in your game plan and, and the plan is set and the script is set and your Waffle House menu of plays is set and it's all done. And then you start practicing, right? And the starter gets 80% of the reps and the backup gets 20%. And that's a big problem when the backup has never played even prior to that. Ty just isn't isn't going to be familiar enough with with the script and with the plays and, and, and with a complete lack of experience, which was Milrow's biggest issue is a lack of experience. And, and Nick Saban himself pointed out that so much of Jalen's issues in the game were driven by anxiety uh, and, 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 and which is completely common. Like I, I said today on the Bam Insider message board, you know, it, it's it's a freshman thing. It's not a Jalen Milrow thing. We're so excited to be signing Eli Holstein and Dylan Lonergan. I know I am. I love them both. I'm glad we're getting both. But you know what? If either one of those kids has to start a game as a freshman because the starter is hurt, we're probably going to get a pretty similar performance. Uh, it, it's just tough. Uh, Peyton Manning in his first start. Peyton, an all-time great in his first start at Tennessee. He did beat Washington State 10-9. to 
can't tell me Peyton had played too well in that game, only leading Tennessee to 10 points in 1994. Um, so it's it's just tough. Uh, I, I don't believe Ty Simpson was close to playing. I don't believe Ty is going to be a thing this season. I think he's just going to be what amounts to redshirted like Milrow was a year ago. And uh, if Bryce can't go Saturday, then I think it's going to be Milrow. And uh, I wouldn't be optimistic about an outcome, I'll be honest. But am I taking a shot at Milrow when I say that? No, no. I'm telling you, no one is going to win that game with a backup quarterback. No one, not Georgia, not Ohio State, and previous Alabama national championship teams. The 09 team uh, was the backup Star Jackson or A.J. McCarron as a true freshman. We're going to beat this Tennessee team in 09. Or was Coker going to win as the backup in 2014? No. Was was uh, Cooper Bateman going to win as the backup in 2015? This game at Tennessee? No way. I mean, it's we're, we're not going to be able to win the game with the backup quarterback. Not on the road against that team when Tennessee is going to force you to minimum score in the 30s to win the game. Is this the best Tennessee team that we've faced in the 16 years of Nick Saban, you think? No question. Absolutely no question that's true. No question. And probably a little better than some of the Tennessee teams that beat us uh, before the streak started. <laughs> probably better than 06 Tennessee you know, maybe better than 04 and 03 Tennessee. Uh, I think you got to go back. This is very possibly the best Tennessee team since Phil Fulmer left. I think that's very fair. I think it's also very fair to question it. But those the Dobbs teams were pretty good. Yep. Um, and when they had Derek Barnett, that dude was a dude. Right. Um, you know – I think, I think their best I, record during the streak is still four losses. Yeah. I'll be surprised if this Tennessee team I, – I would put their floor at two losses myself. Yeah, us and Georgia. Yeah, I mean, I suspect they'll lose those two, I suspect. Uh, but I can't imagine losing other games. And, you know, they could also lo – they could lose another one. I mean, they're not invincible, but I think they're really, really good. And uh, I would go so far as to say easily – the third best team in the SEC. Let me go ahead and tell everybody about LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Look, all you have to do is go to LinkedIn Jobs, check them out. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to and helps you find them faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college. That is to post your job for free. You can't get any better than that. It's free. LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. Go check those mothers out. You'll love them. All right, Jimmy. Um, Another question that Cameron Bishop threw out there, we'll go ahead and address this. He said, Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell, and Will Anderson were on the field together a lot. Truly unstoppable for an offensive line. Was that due to situational reasons or a scheme they to utilize more? I think it's clearly a scheme they'll utilize more. It feels like it's a it's a passing down situation. Um, it, look, 
Dallas Turner really, we hadn't mentioned this, but he played a whale of a ball game on Saturday night. I mean, he played fantastic. Um, Chris Braswell was the guy making the pressure on the lone interception we had. So I feel like, and Will Anderson had what, 12 QB pressures. So that's that's all awesome. I wonder, you know, if that's a package that you want to have in, in clear running downs, probably not. But um, I wouldn't be against it because all those guys are so good. But I think on clear running downs, you probably don't want it. I think, yeah, that's definitely more a situational thing, right? I think it's situational, but I also think it's opponent-driven. And uh, I think you're going to see a ton of it this weekend. The most you've seen the Cheetah package all year, and that's what they they refer to, uh, you know, with, with uh, Braswell, uh, Anderson, and Turner on the field at the same time. They call that the Cheetah package. Uh, you will see a ton of it this weekend because, A, uh, Tennessee constantly throws the ball. Almost everything is a passing down to them. They throw it a lot. And secondly, because of their tempo and you got to play fast, those guys are going to have more energy and the ability to sustain a pass rush. Whereas if you play it normal with either two or three defensive linemen in the game, those guys are 290, 300 pounds. It's much harder for them to sustain and play hard and play well, snap after snap after snap. Tennessee plays fast. Their tempo is going to dictate how we defend in this game. I, I see a ton of cheetah package. And frankly, Nick and I, Nick and I disagree on this. <laughs> Nick Saban and I have agreed to disagree on this. I think when you're playing a tempo team that throws it as much as they do, I would have number 34, Quandarius Robinson, ready to go. I'd have Keanu Coat ready to go. Uh, I think you I think you play that cheetah package like crazy and even substitute in it because you got to keep fresh pass. To me, I want fresh pass rushers uh, to keep pressure on Hendon Hooker, the only way you're going to – defend him and win this game. So I would play more players when the when the offense is as up-tempo as Tennessee is. Now, are we going to do that? Probably not because Nick doesn't do that. But is Nick the greatest to ever do it? And am I generally a dumbass? Yes. So go with Nick. Yeah, I think it would be quite ballsy of Nick to not consult you on this. I mean, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> um, true. True. Um, you know, one thing you, I looked at Tennessee's running game, and if you if you just pull up the SEC stats, you go, okay, their leading rusher is Jalen Wright. He has 315 yards on the year. Okay, that's not that doesn't sound so daunting. But see, Jabari Small is right behind him with 311. So essentially, they've got two running backs doing the work of one who has more than our leading rusher in Jameer Gibbs, right? I mean, I think that's a fair way to look at it because they sort of interchange. So I don't think they're devoid of a running game. Um, that being said, I'm with you. I mean, they clearly are a passing team. And look, here's the other thing that I think has got to happen this weekend. we got to get some more picks. Jimmy, we have two interceptions on the year. One of them is by Will Anderson on a – tipped ball i mean and the other one frankly um if it was a terrible pass it wasn't like a great play by the defensive back the 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 quarterback made a horrible decision in haynes king he was being pressured by chris braswell and he threw it up for grabs it was the lone mistake he made all night um and it was just a bad play so our defensive backs are not creating any turnovers again I, i'm not necessarily saying that they're doing a poor job i'm just saying this is very odd 
for uh, an Alabama defense, one that has traditionally, especially under Saban, been one of the leaders in takeaways. And the, with the pass rush. I mean, we have one of the great pass rushes in college football, and usually pass rush is what leads to the interceptions, right? Quarterbacks being hurried, they make a mistake, they throw the ball where they shouldn't throw it, and, and it's picked off. And we just haven't seen that a, a lot. Uh, I, my, my feeling is that there will come a game or come a time where there will be a flurry of them, and uh, oh, how this would be a good Saturday for that. Uh, I don't know how good the odds are just simply because Hendon Hooker is such a talented kid. It's hard to believe that he's going to have a three or four interception night against Alabama, but I can't help but think that there is a game coming in which uh, Alabama starts making these numbers make more sense. Yeah, what I love about uh, your position on this camera right now, for those who are watching yeah. on YouTube, you were haunting us two podcasts ago. Now right. you're Marty, you're Marty McFly because it seems like you have gone back in time and kissed your mother as you were disappearing uh, slightly. Your arm is disappearing occasionally. So just oh. be careful with that. <laughs> I like how it appears that I'm standing when in fact. <laughs> well, it looks like you've got your arm rested on the, uh, on the little uh, circular roundabout thing leading up to the ramp on Bryant Denny. Everybody that's how big Jimmy is. Then everybody should believe that that's what the situation is. All right. I want to tell everybody about Built Bar. Look, I'm just going to show you a Built Bar right here. Look, these, if, if you were watching on YouTube, you see the Built Bar now. These are awesome. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Are you ready for it? Are you ready, Jimmy? Delicious, indulgent cookie dough. You can't beat cookie dough. It's fantastic. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories. They have a whopping 15 grams of protein. Run to Built.com and snag a box for you and for your family. I buy them for my son all the time. He's going to Arizona State. I send them to him. He absolutely loves them. Um, he's a workout warrior. So, I mean, if you know he's eating them, you know they're good for you. What's great about Built is that all their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You're going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff, whether you need a snack for your workout or a late night treat. And Lord knows I have some late night treats or just need a quick bite. Built is the perfect protein bar and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, the fat, and the sugar. Grab yourself a Built bar. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON15. It's promo code LOCKEDON15. Promo code LOCKEDON15 at Built.com. Get 15% off that order. Promo code LOCKEDON15. I'm telling you, you'll love these things. Here it is again. Look, I'm telling you, this is the cookies and cream one. I always have one around because sometimes I use them as a lunch substitute. I'm telling you, they're delicious. Promo code LOCKEDON15 at Built.com. All right, um, Jimmy, I thought we'd take a minute and and this isn't going to be newsworthy or anything, but I mean, some people like to do this. And, and the Tennessee-Alabama rivalry is, to me, is the second biggest rivalry for Alabama. Um, Auburn clearly first. And then, you know, some people may say it's LSU or whatever. We've actually played Mississippi State a gazillion times. But for me, it's Tennessee. Um, I, why don't we just throw out our favorite Tennessee memories and um, – because, you know, we'll be talking about this game some more, but I know a lot of people like to go down memory lane when it comes to this rivalry, maybe even more so than the Iron Bowl. So what's your favorite Tennessee rivalry, uh, Tennessee memory? 
Uh, I would. Uh, it was an innocuous season in which Alabama only finished seven and five, and 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 the the game it's the 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 season itself wasn't special. But uh, I, I go back to 1990 when uh, Tennessee was one of the very best teams in the country. Alabama started the season 0 and three, and then I think beat Vanderbilt and Southwestern Louisiana to get to two and three, and then they're playing heavily favored Tennessee and Knoxville and. The, the, the great Lee Corso said Alabama has as much chance to win that game as a high school team. And, uh, and, 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 and when he said it, uh, it wasn't an outlandish thing to say, but somehow, some way, an incredible defensive effort, incredible defensive effort by the 1990 defense uh, and, and led to a, a, a final last kick. Uh, Philip Doyle, I think off the top of my head, Philip Doyle makes a 47-yard field goal directly after Alabama had blocked a, a Tennessee field goal. And the ball had miraculously rolled backwards and backwards and backwards. Alabama basically blocked a long Tennessee field goal into field goal range themselves. Uh, and Doyle makes the field goal uh, on the final play of the game uh, for Alabama to, to win and upset Tennessee uh, and, and sort of, you know, and, and it, in some ways, I think a year and a half later led to a national championship. I, I think that was – sort of got the ball rolling for Gene Stallings, Alabama. So that's the one that immediately comes to mind for me. How about you? Well, first of all, that is one of my favorites. There's no doubt about it. I remember clearly where I was. I was at my parents' house. I was still in high school. I was a junior, I guess. No, I was a, I was a senior and I was at my parents' house watching it. And I was so nervous. I kept going outside like I couldn't watch anymore. Um, And you're right. Lee Corso did say a high school team would beat us. It was Philip Doyle. It was 47 yards. He actually got hit on the play. He was roughing the kicker. He had a bloody lip. Um, And then he goes at Tennessee and does the finger guns. It was Stacey Harrison with the big block. And then the very next week we played uh, Penn State in Tuscaloosa and they beat us nine to nothing. If I remember right, I think it was nine to nothing. Um, and we just look like total crap. So we play two weeks and don't score a touchdown and and go one and one. I mean, against the number three team in the country, by the way. Um, but, yeah, that's one of my favorite games. I'll tell you, look, there because I've been to a lot of games in Knoxville. I mean, it's, it's probably um, behind LSU and maybe behind Auburn, the one place I've been to the most. I, I enjoy going there. Um, I haven't been in a little bit, but I'm, I'm going to go not this year, but the – in two years, I hope. Um, but this is a weird one. All right, in 1988, we went up there. Tennessee was – I think they were 0-5. And um, we were on this horrible losing streak. We go up there. They're in all orange. We go up there with Murray Hill, and we beat them. Um, and we continue their losing streak. Then they don't lose again until we play them in 89 in the middle of the year. Now, the 89 game is probably – may be my favorite Saran Stacy explodes. But the thing about 88 that I remember so well, my family and another family drove up there and we drove up there in a limousine. Now, before you say, oh, look at old hoity-toity, this was a limousine with roll down manual windows. It was a limousine that a group here in Ellic City had bought just to be kind of funny. And so they used it on special occasions. It was kind of a dump truck of a limousine. So we all go up there, it's still a limo. Well, we go to whatever that – Did the, you drive it or did you have a driver or did you drive it? No, we had a driver. We hired a guy to drive. And um, two families go up there. It was a ton of fun. 
And um, so we uh, we go. What's the Rays? The the barbecue place, the rib place, the little bitty ribs. Johnny Rays. It's not Johnny Rays. It's some something right. Billy Rays, Bubba Rays, something. Anyway, we went to the famous barbecue place, right? So we we pull in and we're in this gigantic limo, right? So my dad, who had had somewhere between two and forty drinks, he stops in the highway to like direct the the limousine back out because I mean we're taking up four spots. It's a terrible parking job. Everything's awful, and so he's trying to direct. So he's like stopping traffic and doing all this. Well, meanwhile, my one of the other family's daughters opens her limo door and accidentally hits the car next to her. Accidentally. And she's only about 16. Maybe. No, I take that back. She's probably 17, 18. And she says, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. The family was right there and they were country as cornbread. And they said, well, you just get on in the car, you little old horrible word. And she was like visibly upset that somebody just cussed her out because she was trying to apologize. She didn't mean to do anything. And so her dad went over there and he's, he's a, he's a lawyer, super nice guy. And he was just trying to diffuse the situation. My dad can be a bit more of a hothead from time to time. And so my dad went over there and saw that this guy was sort of irritated and Larry's trying to diffuse it. And dad just went over there and said, what's the problem? And the guy said that, horrible word for a woman, just hit my car. And dad said, this car? And the guy said, yeah, that's my car. Dad said, the only thing uglier than your car is your wife. And if you want a piece of me, let's go right now. And dad <laughs> drew back his arm. And my dad, me and my dad's friend both grabbed his arm because we didn't <laughs> want him to take a swing at this cat. And uh, it Dad's had some other choice words, which I better not say here on the podcast, but I still remember this to that day because uh, when I see this, this friend of mine, the daughter that hit the car, she still goes, she goes, that's the greatest, one of the greatest moments in my life. When he came out of nowhere, my uh, knight in white shining armor. And uh, he just, he, he said, he said some other choice things that if I said them right now, they'd be awful. But boy, it was it was a funny, funny moment. And we ended up beating them again in 88. It was a lot of fun. Murray Hill had a big, long touchdown run, I remember. Um, I was also there for a Pierre Goode game in 87 in Legion yeah. Field. 90-yard well, touchdown. Young. I was in high Which, school then. You, you, were, you were young for that Pierre Goode game. That was Jeff Dunn to Pierre Goode, I think 90 yards at the time. The it was. The longest play from scrimmage in Alabama history at the time until until uh and then Chris Anderson had I think a 94 or 96 yard touchdown against Temple in Birmingham when I was yeah. in college and then uh Amari Cooper of course had the 99 yard touchdown against Auburn in the 13 Iron Bowl that'll be but, a tough uh, record to break yeah you're not gonna you're not gonna beat that one so anyway, uh, I, I love talking about Tennessee games. I know a lot of people love to talk about uh, Rocky Block or or um, the Rocky Stop, you know, all that. That's all pretty cool stuff. I was also there in 94 in Neyland. Um, and it, let me see. No, 94. Yeah, 94 in Neyland. We – let me – let me – let me – that was Peyton Manning's freshman. That, that was Peyton, Peyton Manning's first year. I was there for that. But it was 96. I was 96. I was there, and it was raining like crap. We finally tie the game up, and they're just playing for overtime. Like, there had – I don't even know that there had been an overtime in SEC history at the moment. They were playing – and they handed off to Jay Graham. He goes 80 yards. Yep. You remember that? 
I do. I remember that well. I was at the beach watching that game. Uh, I, I was at the beach with uh, friends I graduated with from law school, and, and we, we watched that, that game there and lost. And so, yeah, when we beat Manning in 94, that was the last Alabama win in that series for a while. Uh, Alabama would lose several in a row after the 94 win over uh, Peyton Manning. Didn't Brandon Stewart start that game who eventually transferred to A&M? He might have because that, that sounds familiar. I don't know that Peyton was the starter, but Peyton played a ton. He played most of the game and had some moments. This was a Peyton Manning true freshman uh, season. I do remember also Alabama uh, won the game on a run play, and I think our guard was in motion, illegally moved, and it was not called by the official on the winning play in that game in 94. Wow. I don't know why I remember that, but I do. I'm going to tell you something. You know, some other people were talking about Tennessee memories. They were talking about ten, uh, Peyton Manning leading the band. I was there for that crap, too. And my first thought was, if Tennessee does beat us this weekend, I would. I hope there's a spread out there, some kind of bet that Hendon Hooker will lead the band, because there's no doubt in my mind he would do that. Tennessee, we have to remember, it, it'll be, it would be a scene. It's not just beating Alabama, which in and of itself is a big deal these days, but beating Alabama after 15 years, that's a lot of frustration. Frankly, it's going to be an ugly scene probably. Uh, and I, I this, I mean, I don't get upset by it because to me it's just sort of the fun of college football, but I have been trash-talked on Twitter by Tennessee fans more than the last two days. Then I then I get all season from anyone else. They they clearly believe they're going to win this football game. They might and they might, but they clearly believe they're going to win. And and no one's been over the top terrible, but uh, because I I don't really start that stuff. But uh, yeah, they're that's a confident bunch right now. At least their fans are. All right, buddy. Let's call it a day. We'll be back tomorrow. Start talking more about this ball game and getting into predictions here real soon. We're also going to talk a lot more recruiting. I hope to have an interview with Justin Joseph Hastings here shortly. So we'll talk to him uh, on three's own. But until then, roll tight, everybody. Roll tight.